So back in the first couple of years of our house of prayer, uh, we had a strange experience in the prophetic. The community was used to having dreams. Uh, We kind of had a protocol that every time somebody had a dream that they thought was from the Lord, that they would send it over to me. So I started to notice that in a space of just a couple of months, almost every dream that was coming in was dealing with a ominous but familiar theme. Everybody saw the same thing. A big black tornado was coming. And it was enormous and it was coming through the community in which we lived and it was destroying everything and it was hitting everything and it was coming right at the building in which we were in. We could see it through the window. We had to either run and take cover or we got down in the basement or out through the, we never left the building. We always stayed inside the building and the the tornado would either hit our building or it would sideswipe it and then it would make its way on. But all of us inside our community were survived the, the, um, the impact of it, even though there was much destruction around us. And so when I got the first two or three or four of them, I thought, well, that's kind of weird. But then when I got to 10 and then to 15 and then to 20, and I thought, what is happening? I've got 20 dreams here in a row that are all saying the same thing. And then it went to 25 and then it went to 30 at one point. And when I hit the 30 point, I was misinterpreting it. I was looking for understanding. And I actually asked somebody that was a leader in a house of prayer down in the U.S., The first person I talked to said, oh, you guys better take cover. You're going to get whacked. And I thought, no, that doesn't sound right. That's the Lord's not telling us that he's going to hit us with something. There's something else he's trying to communicate. So I talked to a friend of mine who's experienced in the prophetic. And he said, no, he says, you're hearing and seeing something that's actually true. That's coming that you're, that you're going to experience. And, and I'll comment on that in a second, but we understood we were hearing something, discerning something together And it was at a critical point that the Lord was developing a way for us as a community to actually hear together. And and a lot of times when we hear, we just hear individually and we don't always share these things with each other. We just think we're the only one. So what the Lord was communicating to us was, number one, you can hear collectively. You can hear corporately together and I will speak to all of you and you can all feel and discern together. But two, don't miss the message. There really is a tornado coming. You're in an hour and a season in your life when you need to be able to look ahead, look through that window and, you know, the window in the building was that prophetic window and recognize there is trouble in the, in the days ahead and community as a community, be prepared for this, pray into it, walk carefully because the Lord's uh, highlighting in advance, but it's still really coming. This is the Burning Rooms podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we connect with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations, we share the stories to strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Brian. And I'm Jessica. So in that introduction, you heard Brian Curry, the director of Sanctuary House of Prayer, share a bit of their prophetic history at a time when they received a bunch of tornado dreams. I was there around at that time as well. I received one of those dreams and... The funny thing is, it's not like Brian went up front and he told everyone, hey, we received this tornado dream. He was receiving these all independently without anyone knowing that there were tornado dreams happening. So in this episode, we're actually going to talk about 
the urgency message and the role and importance that it plays in a praying community or a house of prayer. Brian, do you have any thoughts to add before we get into the conversation? Yeah, this was interesting to me because um, about 11 years ago, it would be, um, this was before I joined our community at Sanctuary House of Prayer. I, I had a couple of tornado dreams and it would have been around springtime. And so I, I remember having them and I thought, ah, it's springtime. There's been a couple of weather warnings out. Maybe, maybe that's just why I had the dreams. Didn't think anything more about them. Then a number of months later in fall, I started coming to Sanctuary House of Prayer and I was coming regularly. And Brian starts talking from the front about how there's been like over 20 dreams in the community and they're all on similar themes. And this kind of like gets my radar up. And I was thinking like, well, wow, I wonder if there's any connection here. And then I started having more dreams and I would have tornado dream after tornado dream. And I'd never had tornado dreams beforehand. And I quit counting probably once I hit around 10 to 15 dreams. I just keep, or uh, it just became clear to me that this has actually been one of the more powerful ongoing things in my own life. I would have probably completely missed it if it wasn't for the corporate hearing dynamic within our house of prayer. But I came to understand that one of the things the Lord was speaking to me and rooting in my heart was this key message of urgency in the hour that we live right now. It does seem odd to me that that would be the type of dream that he would give us so early on in, in our house of prayer. Yeah, I, I think it, I find it so interesting that um, in the early days of our house of prayer, the Lord, he could have given us dreams about anything. He could have spoken anything to us corporately. And instead, he, he gave us all dreams related to, to coming trouble, to coming shaking. And it was, again, it was over and over and over again. And the fact that the Lord chose to speak that into our community has just been absolutely foundational for us. And so I'm, and so I'm just excited for what the Lord has for us in this coming conversation. So I think we need to unpack the term urgency here a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of facets to it. Uh, there's, there's biblical ideas. There's, there's emotional ideas behind that. There's, there's prayer topics. And so uh, let's just jump into the, the basic idea of urgency. When I say urgency to you, Jessica, what do you think of? Like, how would you define the word urgency? I would define urgency as something that's so important in the here and now. And it's something that rests on your heart as a, because of this message, because of what I now know, I need to act differently. I need to live differently. This is something that moves me to action. This is something that stays in my mind. And I live in light of this. This is something urgent. This isn't, oh, I heard something. Let me put it on the shelf and forget about it. This is something that grips our heart and changes the way we live. Like I often think of the word urgency sort of like an emergency. It's like there's an idea that there's an alarm, there there's there's something really important that has a has a time sensitive issue on it. Like when when I hear an ambulance driving down the street, I think there's an emergency, there's something important and urgent that needs to be needs to be addressed. Um, and I think sometimes that could be longer term, that could be shorter term, uh, but it's it's something that that is of the utmost importance to the Lord's heart and should be to our hearts. For me, when I think about urgency, it all goes back to my first days in our house of prayer. And I've told the story on an earlier podcast, how my first drive into Winnipeg to our house of prayer, this motorcycle pulled in front of me and his license plate said, Joel 2. And Joel 2 has become this chapter that has rooted me in in a lifestyle of urgency. It's kind of been a plumb line for me of drawing me back into God's heart of understanding that this world that we live in is on a real timeline. And I would say that probably most people in the church um, don't really live with a clear understanding of that timeline, that we we live with this idea that life is basically going to go on as it's always gone on in our life. And and so we want to be good people. We want to love people. But not a lot of people are going through their life thinking, Jesus is actually coming back. 
Jesus is actually coming back to the planet. And in fact, and I think about this a fair amount, that if Jesus came back to the planet today, it would be a horrible day for most of the city of Winnipeg. Most of the city of around 800,000 people, most of them would not be ready. Most of them would be weeping and mourning and lamenting because their hearts were not ready for his return. And for the most part, we live our life more worried about what we're going to eat for supper than about the reality of Jesus actually coming back to the planet and a real day of judgment. And one of the things the Lord wants to do in this generation is wake us up to this reality. And this message of urgency is one of the foundations of the prayer movement. And so this message of urgency is absolutely foundational to the prayer movement. In Joel 2, verse 1, it starts off by saying this, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was in ancient times, nor ever will be in ages to come. Now, if that isn't a fun way to start a podcast, I don't know what is. <laughs> but it's a, it's a pretty staggering passage. What are, what are some thoughts here around the, around the table here as we, as we read this passage and think about it? Actually, Jessica, the first time you heard the Joel 2 message in the House of Prayer, the urgency message, what was going on in your heart? Like, were, did you think these yeah. people are crazy or was there something that resonated? <laughs> probably both. Probably both. It was probably Brian here at the table who was speaking the message because if you've ever heard him speak he loves speaking this message so yeah it's probably honestly the first time I'd ever focused on Joel too beyond just doing a bible reading plan and reading through Joel and not thinking much of it um but I think it's so amazing when you see people who have been captivated by a message and I can see that Brian in your life that you've been captivated by this message not just to stand on a stage and preach it but to live it out and you can see that in so many areas of your life so when you have someone like that giving this message and their life reflects it and you can tell they are convicted by this you have to sit back and go whoa okay let me just humble myself because I need to learn right now I have never thought twice about this message but okay, yeah, I, I need to receive some of this right now. So just this whole message of urgency is something that, yeah, I, I haven't walked around with on my heart on a daily basis. And I think um, I see it really just as a call to, just a call to wake up, just wake up <laughs> because God's coming. And that's, that's not so foreign. We, we need an awakening in, in our churches, in our families, in every area of our lives. And when we wake up to, to who God is and to his reality is that he's coming back, right? Like that's not an add on message that we just added on to the end of the story. Like that's, that's central to all of this, not to be motivated out of fear, but to be motivated out of love that I need to love this man because he's coming back and I'm going to see him face to face pretty soon. And actually the choices I make every single day affects that. So I remember being a young person and hearing Mike Bickle, he had a series on, uh, on the end times and on the coming of Jesus called the Omega series. The idea was kind of parallel, uh, some new Christians will go through what's called the alpha series. And so it's, uh, kind of like an eight part series, I think, where they, they go through the basics of, of the Christian faith and who Jesus is and, and the power of the spirit. And then, uh, Mike made an, uh, Omega, which is like, you know, the alpha and the Omega. It's like the beginning and the end. And so he, he talked about, uh, the, the idea that Jesus is coming back and that this is a foundation 
foundational Christian doctrine. And there's a whole host of issues we could get into on on end times and, and all that 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 kind of stuff. But but just the basic message that Jesus is coming back to the planet. That basic idea that's so fundamental to the Christian faith. Uh, as a young person, for me, that was just it really affected the way the way I thought about things, the conversations I had. I felt like it was a real plumb line for thinking about about the Lord, about my faith, and even about prayer. I, I think that we pray differently if we believe that Jesus is actually going to come back. It's mm-hmm. a, it changes the way we pray things. As a worship leader, I think it also changes the way you worship. Even if it's not about Jesus coming back, which is one of the major aspects of urgency that we're talking about, but there's other aspects of of urgency that we're talking about where there's a holy God sitting on his throne who is worthy of night and day worship where he is living creatures around his throne, giving him awe and worship, saying holy, holy, holy day and night. And then you look down on earth and it's not happening everywhere. Like Jesus said, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when it's not done on earth, his will is not being accomplished on the earth. So we want to see the activity of worship taking place on earth, unceasing devotion to a God that is worthy of it night and day. He is holy and he's deserving of our of all of our affection and worship, and he should have it on earth as well. I mean, that's not happening. We want to give ourselves to this thing so that it is. I think it's interesting for me in my journey, when I when I first heard the urgency message being preached and specifically talking about the return of Jesus— um, when I when I heard it preached with clarity, my first thought was like, "Is this some sort of cult? Like, wh- why are we talking about this? Like, Jesus coming and releasing judgment on the nations?" I was a seminary student at the time, and I'm like, "I I feel really uncomfortable with what's being talked about right now." And um, but over the last decade, it it sparked in me this desire to go deep in Scripture, and I think at the core of the urgency message, in many ways, is this idea of do we really want to know who Jesus is? Now, there's a lot of what I would call conspiracy theory, end-time theologians out there who are just looking to ram a headline into a Bible verse and somehow make it fit. But the Bible is clear about the day of the Lord and the coming day of judgment. In fact, there's over 150 chapters in Scripture that have some form of reference to the day of the Lord and Jesus' return. I find it interesting because there's this move that I that I've seen in the in the church where we talk about how Jesus is perfect theology and we want to be just like Jesus. And often what gets gets emphasized though is only one aspect of who Jesus is. And so they emphasize his love and his kindness and his humility and 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 kind of just kind of talk about that aspect of him. But it completely ignores Jesus' teachings on hell. And it completely ignores the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It completely ignores many of the things that the Bible tells us about who God is. And, and as a believer, and as someone who's in the prayer movement, but just as a believer in general, I don't want a, a God of my own making. I want the God of the Bible. And if there are parts of Scripture that talk about aspects of God that make me feel uncomfortable, I just want to go after that because I want to know the real Jesus. And I want to follow the real Jesus, not an imaginary one that I've made up that sounds really nice and kind of cool, but he's not actually the one the Bible tells us about. So why do we think this urgency piece, uh, like even specifically Jesus coming back, why is it important to this prayer movement that we're talking about? I think some of the things we pray for will only be fixed when Jesus comes back. 
I think about some of the the really big topics, uh, and either we're praying biblical prayers uh, for the restoration of the people of Israel. I think about his the knowledge of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea, and and these types of prayers are so big that they're not going to be ushered in by us. They're not going to be ushered in uh, by a couple church plants or or a new idea on ministry. They're only going to be fully released uh, in Jesus's second coming. And so I think it really positions us in some ways. Uh, for me, it's very hopeful. It's it's a very uh, inspiring, it, it's a very uplifting idea that uh, when I pray those things, that the the glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the Lord would cover the earth. I, I don't have to look at the current geopolitical situations and say, well, Lord, how is it going to cover Russia? There, there's such a oppression there. Or how is it going to break into China? Or, or what about all the strife in the Middle East? I don't have to look at any of those things. And I look at Jesus and I say, like, when you come back, you will cover the earth with your glory, with your knowledge, with who you are. That will be just permeating the whole planet. And so for me, it gives me a huge just injection of faith that this will happen. And so I can pray that that big prayer that that sounds, it's, it sounds huge. Like, how is this going to happen? And it, it really makes me believe it because I, I see it in that context. Yeah, Jehu, I love what you're saying that it really, it is a, a hopeful thing in the midst of our prayers. And I think it also, it really does bring us to the place of prayer though, in that, wow, okay, Jesus is coming back. Oh boy, a lot needs to look different on our earth. We need people to know him. We need the nation of Israel to be restored to him. We And you know, and that brings us to pray for all these things. We need this young generation to know God, know the word and love him well. And so I think just that if, if there wasn't that urgency, if it was just, ah, uh, if we, it, it becomes a motivator, right? In that, oh my goodness, I need to pray these prayers. And you know what you're saying too, like it drives you to worship. Um, I love what you're saying, uh, Brian, it drove you to just really seek out the scripture and just the knowledge of God and wanting more of that fullness. And I know for me in my life, like something that's drawn me to it is just the whole area of missions. And just after seeing the masses of people who are literally worshiping idols in other parts of the world and having your heart broken of, no, but I know the truth. And yes, Jesus can reveal yourself, himself to each and every one of you in a dream, but I can also get on an airplane and I can go bring his truth and his message. And I'm going to partner with that, not because I put that burden on me or I need a strive or any of those things, but because I love Jesus and I want his truth to go forth into the nations. And so I, it really does bring us to action out of love. We are not doing this because we fear um, and we want to, because then if we're driven by fear, we're going to lead others into fear. And I don't see that that's the way Jesus leads. And so I always want to be motivated by love, but this is a big motivator that there is an actual deadline here. <laughs> and in light of that, we have to live our lives differently. Yeah, Jessica, I think you bring up a really good point because one of the things that often happens when people start thinking about the return of Jesus is this fear factor kind of just starts coming in and people start to get terrified. I actually found um, when I was first learning about, you know, the return of Jesus and actually studying it and seeing what the Bible really had to say about it, you know, beyond this this mythical idea we have in our head of going up in the clouds and angels strumming a harp or whatever, like, no, actually reading what the Bible has to say about it, uh, it, it would freak me out. <laughs> and so I remember I would like, I would have the book of Revelation and then I would have Song of Songs <laughs> and I'd be like reading Revelation and my heart would start to get freaked out. Like, oh, this sounds, this, I'm terrified. And I'd read Song of Songs and just remember, oh, but he's a good God, <laughs> and he's kind, and he's gentle, 
and he's compassionate and he's so merciful. And so I always, I really like to distinguish between urgency and fear, mm. what I even call biblical urgency. So the idea of fear is, oh no, Jesus is coming back. It's all out of control. Let's just panic. Mm. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that, right? It says God has not given us a spirit of fear, mm. but a spirit of power and love. But urgency is different. And I like to use the term biblical urgency. And And for me, it's this idea of what we do right now matters. It matters. How we spend our day matters. Not in a sense that we should walk around being terrified, but it's 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 a sobering reality that that what we do matters. And so when I think about the prayer movement, and I think about some of you who are listening, who are maybe a part of just a small little prayer group, maybe it's three or four people, it matters. It matters that you gather together and maybe you have a larger prayer gathering, but one day you only two or three people show up and it's like, well, do we go ahead and have our prayer meeting? And I would say, absolutely. Yes, go for it. It matters. Jesus really is coming back. And that doesn't mean, again, that we should be walking around in a panic, but it does mean that what we're doing in our praying communities, the worship that's being raised up to God, the prayers for revival, for breakthrough, all of these things matter deeply because we're living on a real timeline, which has a real end point in mind. Jehu, you had mentioned something earlier before the podcast about how urgency matters to the people too that that need to find God. You want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, I think the urgency piece, uh, a little bit separate from the exact return of Jesus, but just in the sense of our, our lives are short. Uh, we might feel like we're going to be here forever, but we're not. Our, our lives uh, in in the span of history and in, in the context of, of God, our, our lives are very short. And, and there's a real urgency to praying for people, praying for issues, praying for specific things. I think about uh, Exodus Cry that was uh, a ministry launched out of the International House of Prayer and how they would be praying for people in human trafficking. And it's a very intense topic and they would be praying specific prayers for um, either different different countries or different regions praying for people who were who are being trafficked and there was this urgency that if we don't pray right now if we don't contend for this that that people's lives are hanging in the balance people's people are are there and we need to contend today not next week not next month we can't put it on a, on a prayer list and get to it eventually the lord has put this on our heart right now and we need to contend and so i think depending on what the Lord has put on your heart for, for a topic, there can be a real urgency because it, it needs to be prayed for now because there's real people, real things at stake. Yeah, I can remember in the early days of our house of prayer, we were meeting in a house and there was a prayer request that came across the table. It was someone actually in real time that was, their, their sibling was contemplating having an abortion for, the, for a child that they just found out that they were having. So we, t- we, we took that to heart. We said, okay, we're going to pray right now for the Lord to break through and speak life and truth into this person. Like that was an urgent prayer because it was going to be the next day or so. She was going to go to the doctor and get this procedure done. So we were praying hard. We were, we were contending. There was probably tears and some shouting at the same time. And the Lord broke through and we saw, and the decision was made, I think the same night, no, I'm going to keep the baby. So it's that kind of urgency. It's like there's lives at stake. There's things that are happening around us. And we are the ones that are contending. We are asking for the heart of the Lord in real time sometimes for some of these things. And again, that's not a place of fear, but it's a place of privilege that the Lord would allow us to partner with him mm-hmm. on such 
such weighty issues like people's lies. I think that that's just such a blessing that the Lord would say, no, like I don't need your prayers to intervene in this situation, but I want your prayers. I want you to partner with me. And so that you could then see me move, that you could see me save that baby. I think that that's just such a, it's not a place of fear for us, but it's just a, a deep connect that we have with the Lord over those types of prayers. I find this profoundly impacts the way that I pray as well. Like just this understanding of what really is at stake every time that we come to the Lord in prayer, of, of what is possible when the Lord comes and breaks in in power. And so when we, when we do our, our prayer meetings in, in, in our house of prayer, our topics are, are ones that we can really get in um, behind fully. And so we'll pray for a revival in our city. We'll pray for the church in our city, that the church would be blessed and encouraged and strengthened. We've recently started praying for the nation of Israel, which is probably something we'll talk about in a future podcast. But, but there are topics that are, um, are ones that, that, that we can deeply connect with and that deeply matter. And, and sometimes in prayer meetings, we, we spend time praying for, for small things. And, and God cares about the small things. But, but honestly, I don't really want to be in a prayer meeting about the weather. I, I don't, even though the weather is really important, I come from a farming community, I understand the importance of, of good weather to not come and wipe out people's livelihoods. I understand that. But when I understand that Jesus is coming back, in some ways, it's like a whole bunch of other things suddenly don't matter. Mm. And it forces me as a prayer leader, when I'm thinking about prayer topics and how we're going to shape our prayer meetings, what are we going to pray for if Jesus is coming back? And there's lots of room to, to pray for different topics. And so it's not like I'm never going to pray for something that seems like a bit of a, of a smaller issue, but it does uh, powerfully inform the way I think about leading prayer meetings. And it also helps us to have energy in our prayer meetings because if there's, if there's abstract thoughts that we don't know that the Lord wants to answer, it makes prayer meetings boring, frankly, because you're praying for something you don't know if it's going to happen or not, but you know Jesus is coming back. So there's urgency in that piece, and it just strengthens your prayer meeting because you are praying for people to get saved. You are praying for people to come to the knowledge of God and know the times and seasons and things that are ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting as I think about this, because so far this podcast has been like pretty intense. And if you've been following our podcast, you also heard the Joy podcast, where we probably, Johan probably had to edit out about a half hour of just giggling as we're, so here we are, you know, a, a few, you know, a few podcasts ago where we're talking about the joy of the Lord and about, and we're giggling and laughing and it's all just kind of fun and games. And here we are like, Jesus is coming back, you know, and it's like, it sounds so intense. But, but here's a question for our, for our group here is, um, how do we balance that out? Mm. You know, because we've we've all seen those people who are like the they're the hardcore intercessors, but they're just grumpy mm-hmm. because yeah. they carry the intimacy or the uh, the urgency piece, but they're just grumpy and everything is so intense and it's like they never crack a smile. How do we <laughs> even biblically? How do we balance those two things out? I'll I'll give a short answer. We need to remember the person that is coming back to the earth. Because the person that's coming back to the earth is not grouchy. He is a very, he's the happiest man we will ever meet. He's the most joyful, most loving, most affectionate person. And when we understand who's returning to the earth, it turns that urgency into excitement. It turns it into anticipation of the man that is coming to the earth. 
I think one way to avoid becoming grouchy and, and grumpy about his return is looking at the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Uh, if we look, this is where we get a lot of our urgency from the idea of of staying awake, of of being watchful. Uh, the Lord even even tells them. He says, watch therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And so that can really give us a, a, a woe, like a check in our spirit. We need to be watching. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't want to be caught asleep. But when you think about the context of the parable, they were waiting for a wedding. They weren't waiting for this volcano of doom and gloom and destruction. Like they were waiting for a wedding. And so there's an urgency piece that we need to have, but it's, it's for a wedding. That's what's happening when Jesus returns. And so we want to be urgent for that. That's so good, Jehu. I think that I don't even know if I need to add anything after that because I think you just nailed it with a scriptural reference. And it's so good. I think we need his help step by step to stay engaged, to be watching and waiting because that's so hard to do in the balance of life. How do you watch and wait while going to work and raising the kids and paying the bills? And, you know, like, how do you how do you actually do this well? But we have Holy Spirit inside of us. I think it's something that each of us, we just get to do step by step with him. But yeah, that we would be people who are ready and waiting with oil in our lamps for him to return, knowing that on the other side of it is that is that wedding. And we want as many people to be there with us as possible. And that's how why we live our lives the way we do. So it, it really is a beautiful thing. It's a celebratory thing in the midst of feeling the weight of it. Jessica, you of all pe- people could probably understand that as this is the last podcast you're recording as a single woman where you <laughs> thanks will be, for bringing that up Jay. next <laughs> time you record you will be married that's correct? right so yeah. you're feeling that anticipation and the urgency to have everything prepared and ready yeah. for what's to come in the in the coming weeks yeah i actually do okay fun fun side note of jess's life is that yeah i'm engaged and i'm getting married in less than a month <laughs> and something that i've thought this whole process through i'm like man being engaged this is such a parallel to just where we're at with the church and with Jesus's return. And it's crazy. And living this season in my life of being like, man, I, I want to be as ready as I can be. And there's things I just need to practically prepare, but it's something that's always on my mind. I haven't just haphazardly gone through a week of being engaged without thinking of, oh, wait, this is ahead. And there's practicals and some stuff's more fun than others, but you know, what's coming on the other end and you live every single day in light of it. I'm literally doing that right now. And Man, I want that in my walk with Jesus. And you're counting down the days and yes. you know <laughs> <laughs> kind of in wrapping this up a little bit, I think something that's really helpful to to remember is that we want the full biblical picture of Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, three of the primary ways that, that Jesus is spoken about is as bridegroom, king, and judge. He's the jealous bridegroom. He's coming back for his bride and he's gonna remove all that hinders love. And it's just this beautiful picture of him coming back for his people, and we got to be with him forever. And so we want to go deep in understanding Jesus as a bridegroom. He's also coming back as a king of the earth to take his rightful place, and he's going to rule and reign, and he's going to remove all kingdoms and everything that is in opposition to him. He's going to remove it because he's a king, and he's the only rightful king to, to reign. And also Jesus is revealed as a judge, as someone who's going to judge wickedness and judge sin. And it's a mistake to focus on only one of those aspects. We want to go deep in the fullness of who he is. And one thing that Mike Bickle has said again and again at IHOP in Kansas City is about there's two things that are really necessary in his mind to fuel the prayer movement, and they're intimacy and urgency. And we want both of them. 
And I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast how when I was studying the, the message of urgency in the end times, even how I would also, I would just stop and take some time to read Song of Songs and read it devotionally and, um, and just remember who he is as kind and gentle and, and so filled with love and passion for us. Like just understanding the fullness of who he is, it really helped to remove the fear piece um, from the equation. And so while I feel the urgency, I don't feel the fear. I feel the urgency that this, um, what we're doing in the prayer movement, and and for our listeners, what you're doing in the prayer movement matters deeply. But we also have to remember at the same time that we have a good father, and he's a loving father. He's for us, not against us, and he's with us every step of the way. So I know we started this episode with uh, two Brians from our house of prayer, sharing stories about those tornado dreams that came to uh, lots of people in our community. And I don't know if we fully explained really what they meant or what we took out of that. I know we really got unified as a body through just that encouragement of, whoa, we're all hearing along the same lines. Okay, what is he speaking? But just in closing, is there any kind of clarification you guys want to give of what you felt the Lord was really bringing through that dream? I definitely feel at the time there was a real specific uh, immediate fulfillment to it. Uh, we had the tornado dreams just before the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, 2009, that whole sort of whirlwind that really happened uh, in the States and, and worldwide. Uh, we got the dreams before that happened. And I felt like there was uh, a, a piece there where the Lord was saying, I'm giving you a heads up. This, uh, this storm is coming and I know it's coming and you don't need to be afraid of it. And so when it started hitting and the stocks were going down and, and all these things were happening uh, personally, at that time, I felt a real peace in the Lord that he knew this was coming and he warned us and, and by him warning us, uh, we could we could trust him that he was going to carry us through. Um, even specifically in the tornado dreams, the tornadoes came near us, but they didn't destroy us. It wasn't like we all got blown away in the tornado. And so there was a real promise that the Lord would shelter us and would keep us. Uh, but I think that was just, the, just a down payment of what's to come in the future. I think the tornado dreams had more to say than just that uh, specific period in time. I don't know exactly what they mean going forward, but I, I still feel like those resonate with us as a community. And I don't think that the, the financial crisis was the tornado uh, in fullness. I think there's more to come there. I think the Lord gives some foreshadowings and that was one of them. In fact, at that time, the Lord actually, I had some investments and right before the financial crisis, I really felt like from the Lord, Lord's prompting, take out those investments, put them into your bank account. And sure enough, all my coworkers that had similar investments, it was a work investment and they lost a lot of money. Um, and I didn't because the Lord protected me. So there's, there's foreshadowings of that, that that's going to happen. And the Lord's going give to us, give us wisdom in, into speaking into those things. So, And it's interesting for me because I've continued to have the tornado dreams. And so I, I know in my heart of hearts that the Lord has given these dreams to me um, to keep my heart burning in the place of prayer, to understand that he really is coming back. And, and we just can't stress this enough for all of you out there who are involved in any sort of praying community. What you do matters. And we here at the Burning Rooms podcast are 100% behind you. We love you guys. We want to cheer you on. And if you're feeling a little bit discouraged about, does this even matter? It feels like hardly anyone's even showing up to our prayer meetings. Does this even matter? I just want to say with clarity, it matters. Keep going. And we're behind you all the way. So this has been a fantastic conversation about urgency, but now it's time for Jessica's Tips to Stay Engaged in Prayer. Hey guys, this is Jessica with another tip on how to stay engaged in the place of prayer. This week's tip is to make declarations. 
often we need some encouragement in the place of prayer because we're right on the edge of disengaging or kind of just giving up altogether, wrapping up and calling it a day. And I think something amazing is that declarations, they're just statements of faith. They're just saying, this is the truth, but I'm going to speak it out. Not like I half-heartedly believe it. Not like I'm trying to convince myself of it. I'm going to say this truth because it's truth. And sometimes just as simple as the way we say it actually convinces our hearts and gives us an injection of faith and we can pray so much better. Um, We can do this over who God is, who we are in him. Um, Things just like Jesus is alive. Right now he is seated on a throne and he's praying for me. I am secure in him and he has defeated every single enemy. I will have victory because Jesus is alive. And you you can take this so many different ways. You can bring it into so many different situations. But really, it's just taking the truth and taking off all the unbelief. Any lies that you're believing around this, any circumstances in your life that have spoken into it to say, that's actually not fully true. Actually, you haven't seen that yet, so then it can't be true. You are shaking off all those voices and you are saying, no, this is truth and I'm saying it. And in the place of prayer, we know the enemy is going to come against us. We know he hates it when we stand in truth and pray that back to God. So it's, it's, a, it's a warfare stance and it's also just for our own hearts going to give us faith to keep going. So make declarations. Again, this isn't something you need to go to the front of the room, grab the microphone and do out loud. This is something you can just do in your own heart. This is something you can grab your journal and write them out. But it's really just taking statements of faith, the truth, the word that it's rooted in the word. These aren't things we're just making up. And we're really going to make these our lampposts, our guideposts as we walk forward. The truth is guiding us and no voices of the enemies, no lies can shake us off of that because we know the truth and we're so rooted in that. Jessica. Thank you again, Jessica. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can visit our website, burningrooms.ca, find out all the ways to get a hold of us, give us suggestions, comments, all those things, burningrooms.ca. Until next time, I am Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Brian. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Podcast.